Okay. So, uh, as I said earlier, today is Palm Sunday. Uh, we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It's the beginning of Holy Week. It's uh, the week that changes everything in, in history. And, and it's, uh, you know, Jesus enters the scene uh, on this weekend into Jerusalem, and it's, uh, he's welcomed in. Uh, and the crowds are shouting for him. And, you know, try and picture it in your mind. They're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're, they're actually acting out, if you would, a psalm that they, they uh, you know, well, well know. This is, this is Messiah. Something's going to happen. They're celebrating. And, and there's all these things going on. But, but in uh, four or five days, everything's going to change. And uh, the celebration will stop and turn into something else. And Jesus will be crucified and then he'll defeat death and rise again and the celebration's on again and that's what we're we're doing through uh this holy week and, and what it means in the process so i want to talk about how um this this entrance that jesus makes and what it means to us as we sort of prepare for the week ahead so that's where we're heading transition always a bad joke or two uh friday night alice and i we watched three movies um back to back fortunately i was the one facing the television That's mixed. Mixed. I know. A plateau is the highest form of flattery. Exaggerations went up by a million percent last year. Scripture reading here on purpose. John 12, this is the account of the triumphal entry, beginning of verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So this is the triumphal entry, the, the big entrance of Jesus into the scene. And things in this whole uh, deal are not going to work out the way that some people expect. Have you ever had that happen in your own life where you sort of plan something and you've, you, you've got a big thing going and it just doesn't work out the way you, you think it's going to? Have you ever experienced that? We were, we were chatting earlier. I, I had this thought. You know, Alice and I have been married almost 36 years. And... Uh, so, so well back in the beginning, I know you, you look and think, how is that possible? I was 12, she was 10, and uh, it was a different age. Uh, no, no. I was 22 and she was 20. So um, that first, after the first year, you know, our anniversary was coming up, and I thought, I'm going to be a really good husband here. I'm going to plan a surprise anniversary dinner for my wife. And, I, I, and so I went to work to do that, and I had, you know, we're going to do it. I had all these friends lined up, and they'd all figured out, you know, how we were going to do it. And I thought it would really add to the surprise if I just sort of pretended that I forgot it was our anniversary. 
I was new at this. That was a really bad decision. But I didn't know. See, we were young. We know each other better now. But uh, we should, right? So, so I went through the day kind of, you know, not, and, and she, I could, uh, you know, she was kind of looking at me and she, she not really saying much, but, but um, so let me say that, that I continued that at, at about four o'clock, let's just call, let's say there was like this nuclear meltdown that happened in our life. I, you know, how could you forget, you know, and, and uh, anyway, uh, it wasn't good and uh, not good at all. Uh, and, and so I finally had to just give it up. You know what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't hold it. I was thinking, can I, can I play this through? No. So <laughs> I couldn't. And, and so I said, no, I've got a whole thing worked out. Thank goodness I did. And uh, here's what's going to happen. And, and, and still, by the, by the, even by the time then we got to the dinner and everything, the meltdown was significant enough that she never really did enjoy it the way that she could have. So what I learned from that is I never do a surprise anything. And you can ask her in the following 35 years, everything has been advance notice by months. Like, you know, I know your birthday's coming. Here's what we're doing. I know it's six months away, but I want you to know that I know <laughs> six days after your birthday, I know it's our anniversary and we got that covered too. Here's what's going to happen. What would you like? Let's buy it now. You tell me what you want. I don't even want to surprise you there. <laughs> Give me a list. Here it comes. Here's what I bought. Look before I wrap it. There you go. So. It did not go the way I expected it to. That's the whole. That's all I wanted you to get from that story. All right, set the scene. So, so Jesus is coming in. It's a big entrance, and there's some things going on that uh, you need to see. So first, the crowd, right? The crowd is, is cheering Jesus on. And you think, well, well, what's going on with the crowd? Well, here's what you need to know about the crowd. The crowd is really thinking about what's in it for me. See, that's what the crowd was thinking. And they know or had seen or just heard that, that Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Pretty big deal, bringing somebody back from the dead, right? And their thinking is they're so tired of being oppressed by the Romans that this is the guy that's going to set things up to break them free from the oppression. They weren't celebrating the fact that someone was coming to forgive their sin. What they wanted from Jesus was him going to rise up and kick the Romans out so they could be set free from the, the bondage that they were in. And so they're welcoming him big, palm branches going, yeah, he's coming. This is going to be good. We're finally going to get set free from this Roman thing. It's all going to work out. Romans, uh, John 12, 13, sorry. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. That's what they, they think is going to, finally Israel's coming back. We're going to be good. Wow. Well, that's not what he does. And in a very short period of time, he's arrested and carted off and beaten and tortured. And, and, and they're looking at this whole thing. This very same crowd in John 19, 15, shouts, take him away, take him away, crucify him. How quickly they changed. Because he wasn't doing what they wanted him to do. See, and, and still today, you know, we tend to be, we talked about this, kind of self-centered. And, and a lot of people sort of treat Jesus like that. Like, you know, if you don't do what I want you to do, then, yeah, you know, you're not really going to be a big deal in my life because, you know, this is what I'm looking for. But Jesus, he, you, you can't make Jesus king. He is king. And, and so we sort of need to be aware about that. And sometimes, you know, it looks a little different. So we got that going on with the crowd. So know that that's happening. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're busy trying to stop the whole thing. They're trying to shut it down. And you think, well, why are they trying to shut it down? Well, 
the problem is, by now, the religious leaders have actually figured out who Jesus is. You can read through this and you think, oh, they just didn't get it. No, they got it. They didn't like it. And that's what makes it such a huge deal. See, um, so many things were happening. They would have known the scriptures, like the, the very scriptures, Zechariah 9.9. 9. Uh, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle. And riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the crowd shouting out from the Psalms what was happening. They saw what was happening. They just didn't like it. Here's why. They didn't want to lose control. See, the, the religious leaders had a pretty good thing for themselves. They were in control. When the Romans would come in and oppress a people, they would leave sort of a ruling body in place. And they would just send their armies in to sort of get around them. And they would tax them and make sure they had money coming in. But they would leave them unto themselves to kind of deal with things. Well, that was a situation the religious leaders were in. They were running things and they were kind of, you know, running all the people. And they had their hands in piles of money and everything. And they had position and power and all those things that they wanted. Their biggest fear was that Jesus was going to come in and, and do some sort of political coup and mess up their whole deal. So they're like, we don't want it. Think about it. They didn't want Jesus because they couldn't control him. And they probably had figured out that he really was coming from God and that these things were God things happening. But yeah, but we don't want any of that. See, the, the problem is if, if you can control God, he's really not God. But a lot of people try and do that as well. They try and come up with a God of their own imagination and who they think he would be like. Well, this is what God would be like. But God is God, and we need to remember that. And if we get stuck there, we get very hard-hearted. We become unteachable. We actually start to miss God. John 12, 19, the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. So they're busy trying to shut it down because their, their desire for control gave them an unteachable heart. So... What do we do? What happens when Jesus enters our life or situations that are going on in our life? So there's three things I want to talk about. The first thing that happens when Jesus makes an entry is that you experience what I call a Jesus moment. If you've been here for any time, you'll hear me call things Jesus moments. So let me give you a, something I read that I think perfectly describes that. A Jesus moment is a beautiful disruption in our lives. When, when, when Jesus enters, when Jesus makes an entrance into my situation or into my life, he creates a beautiful disruption, which gives us an opportunity to choose to move perhaps in a different direction or to choose not to in our lives. So an example is that Jesus has his conversation with Peter and Andrew. Peter and Andrew are fishermen, and they're, they seem quite content in their lives, and uh, good business going on, fishing is good. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees them, but he knows that they want something more out of life, that there's something more that life has to offer them, and so he extends this Jesus moment to them, Matthew 4, 18 through 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men, and at once they left their nets and followed him. So this Jesus moment happens. They have a choice to make, stay or go. They choose to go. They, they left their nets at once and they followed him. They were, they were putting it all down because they, they knew there had to be more to life than what they were experiencing. And so, so Jesus comes into their life, says, I'm giving you an opportunity to do something significant. And they chose to do it. Here's why this is so important. These Jesus moments are so important. These beautiful disruptions. 
Um, God created us and, and our minds, and our minds sort of, um, they have a subconscious and a conscious. You know what's going on. And, and um, when our conscious mind is engaged, our, our subconscious mind, mind kind of sets in and goes to work. Let me give you a, a, a quick illustration. A lot of you catch it right away. So I live down on Cudjo, and most every time that I drive to Big Pine Key, I'm coming to the church facility. It's about coming here. That's my normal routine in life. That's my drive. That's my pattern. And I will start to drive here, and I will um, almost immediately on the drive begin to think about the church. Uh, there's a lot going on. And so my conscious mind will engage in thinking about the church. When that happens, my subconscious mind kicks in and does the driving. Okay? So that, that's just reality. And so what happens is I'll be thinking uh, about the church, and even though I set up here to go to Winn-Dixie, I'll be thinking about the church. When I get to the traffic light, you know what I do? I drive straight through it and head to the church instead of making left to go to Winn-Dixie. Why? I'm not engaged. My subconscious is driving, and it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's the ingrained pattern. And those things happen really quick. I was teasing. So we were heading back the other day down to um, the house. The house was with me. And we get onto that bridge that goes on to Summerlin, and she said, don't forget, I need to stop at Murray's. I said, yeah, no problem. <laughs> my mind goes somewhere else, starts thinking. My subconscious mind takes over. Well, that left to Murray's isn't in it. And she goes, as we're going, you know, 45, right by Murray, she goes, Murray's! And I went, eh, you know the deal. And she's, everything comes flying out of the back seat, seriously. Because my, my, so you get the picture, right? Have you ever made three or four turns when you were driving and then go, don't even remember making that happen? So you see, you have this, you, so there's these ingrained patterns in your life. Well, the, the, the problem is that some of them aren't healthy, but they're just part of our lives. They're part of the pattern of our lives. What Jesus does is he comes in with these, these beautiful disruptions so we can take a look at sort of what's happening in our lives. And, you know, what you have to ask yourself when you have one is, is the path that I'm on, is this routine that I'm in, is this whatever's going on, is this going to, you know, take me to the, the life that God has for me? Is it going to move me in a different direction? And so we, we have these opportunities to stop and look. These beautiful disruptions in our lives, we get a Jesus moment. Now, what they do is they help us with our perspective. That's point number two. Jesus brings us new perspective. Perspective is the framework that you view the world through and that you interpret everything in. And a lot goes into your perspective, the creation of it. You know, it, it has to do with your background and your childhood and your education and your travels. All those things, a whole lot more, are contributing to this perspective. And it has a massive impact on how we think. I read this. I wasn't sure if I should share it or not, but I, I will go anyway. Life is all about perspective. The sinking of the Titanic was a miracle to the lobsters in the ship's kitchen. A hundred years later, and it's still right on the edge, right? I don't know, but still. <laughs> We're free. <laughs> free at last. Free at last. Alice and I, we were driving to Key West. Perspective, right? So on the way down, she sees an osprey dive into the water, picks up a fish, has it in its talons. Perspective. For the osprey, dinner. For the fish, not so much, right? Same event, perspective. We, we, we finished the trip. We were going into Home Depot. We were running down to Home Depot. Packed. The parking lot's packed. And I, I'm pulling into it. And up, I see this great spot by the, 
by the sort of close to the door. But then I see that there's a van waiting to get in there that was there before me. But there's actually a car in the way. I could probably pop in there and get that spot, but I choose not to because that would be wrong. And uh, so I don't do it. But then this somebody gets in the car just in a couple of spots here, and I think, well, that would be great. And I, I back up enough for the person in this car to get in their car and to drive out. So I'm, I'm there, and it's, it's tight in that spot anyway, and I'm there. Well, well, and all I need this dude, guy to do is get in his car and go out that way. Well, he gets in his car, and he comes right at me. And I'm looking at him, and I have a lot of different thoughts running through my mind. And Alice, she's with me. She's cheering me on on those thoughts. We're like, really? But here's the thing. I look at that guy. He's looking at me with that exact same expression. Like, why are you in my way? And I'm thinking, why are you in my way? <sighs> so I back up. But it's perspective. See, perspective is everything. But here's what you need to know about perspective. Our perspective as disciples, because the disciples were in this thing too, it, it should develop as we grow with Jesus. So as our relationship with Jesus develops, uh, it, it grows. In John 12, 16, at first his disciples didn't understand everything was going on. Only after he was glorified did they realize that the, all these things that had been written about him. So as they continued to press into Jesus, their perspective changes, and that's what Jesus offers us is a perspective change. I, I like to call it a throne room perspective is what we're ultimately to have in our lives. As we continue on with Jesus, we're, we're to start to th see things the way that he does. It makes a huge difference in the way that we go through life. And so um, we can develop that in him, and he gives us these moments uh, in order to take a look at things so that we can press in and get his perspective because what he's always doing, third, is he's always offering you real life. We just did a whole series on that, Full and Abundant, Now and Forever Life, and I have still had some stuff to talk about, so it'll find its way into the next few, it just will. Uh, so, so when Jesus makes an entrance into my life, when I allow him to make an entrance in my life and situation, he brings a beautiful disruption that gives me a new perspective, and then he offers me real life. Romans 14, 17, I brought this verse up to you last week, and you're going to see it for a little while because it's in my head. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's something really amazing there. The kingdom of God, this life that we're experiencing, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about me first. It's not about those things, because he takes care of those things. It's, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what we're to experience. That's what real life looks like. That righteousness, I said, it's all about being justified, that that because we've come to Christ and in faith, um, God chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son. So all of that mess is dealt with. And even though we still got mess going on, we can have peace because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and He's working us through that stuff. And, you know, He's convicting of His sin. He's doing all those things that He needs to do. But I should be experiencing a measure of peace in my life. And when I'm not, it means something's haywire and it's not on His end. It's on my end. I'm, I'm either letting the attack hit me or whatever. And that ultimately I have joy because um, I know that, that what's coming is so much better than, than everything here. Even though I get taste of eternity now, still dealing with a fallen world, broken planet. But my joy rests in the fact that it's not about my immediate circumstance, but I'm His forever. See, that's what happens when, when we're experiencing this life in Him, in Christ. And so He, he, he beautiful disruption to change our perspective so we can experience real life. But here's... Here's the key to this whole thing about this whole deal. If you don't do anything else, write this down. This is important. Jesus doesn't make forced entries. 
He knocks. He always knocks. It's always an invitation. Revelation 3.20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the doors, I will come in, eat with him and he with me. You always get a choice. You always get the opportunity to say yes or no. You get all of those things come because he knocks. He never forces his way in. And we need to be aware of that because, see, then, then we know that as these moments happen, they're invitations for us to respond, to experience life in him, to, to get new perspective. I'll close with this. The, uh, and a lot of you have heard this, but it was like right after the hurricane hit, and we'd just been back for a few days, and no power, no, no, no water, no electricity, hot everywhere. I'm not sure what's going on. The church is kind of a, a wreck. Everybody's a wreck. Uh, and uh, people hadn't even started coming back yet. And, uh, you know, I'm just praying, what do we do? And, and, and um, I, in, my, in my time with the Lord, I, so clearly, I just felt the Lord, Lord say, just open the door and get out of the way. And, and, but it was a choice. See, part of me was like, I don't want to open the door. I want to close the door and just fix this mess and do what we can and then go back to the way things were. Uh, but, but he invited me into something else. He invited all of us in, and, and I was like, okay, boom, open the door. Here you go. And all sorts of stuff started to happen, stuff that we could have never planned or dealt with or anything. It was a, really, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It still happens. But it was that whole process. There's, it's always a knock. It's always a, an ask. And, and I just want to encourage you, Think about that this week. As we spend this next week, you know, really engaged in celebrating the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, that, that it just prepares you for, for all of it. The, the entry that he makes and why and how amazing it is and the impact it has on our life. I'm going to end it there. Ministry team, those of you here, want you head over the wall. People on the way over that wall are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Let me pray for you as a group. And we'll have breakfast and dismiss. Papa, thank you for your goodness to us and your love for us. The life that you have for us. Jesus, that you, you come and you, you, you offer us these moments to take a look and to make sure we're not stuck in some pattern, but that we're continuing to press into you, to see things the way that you do so that we can have real life. As we do that, Lord, let it not only change us, but let us impact the world around us for you, that you bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area, that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. It's one more lost child back to you, Dad, just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just take care of that to do today as well. It's, it's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you what you're doing. Then in faith. Inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. Best decision you'll ever make. Just go ask somebody over there if you're not sure what to do. I want to know Jesus in that unit. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I encourage you to get it. If you're staying for breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody makes it possible. Draw people into the 11 o'clock service, God so they can hear about your love for them as well. You are such an awesome God and prepare people's hearts for next weekend.
We love you so much. Praise God from whom all... May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We hope to see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to death. Prayer over there. Breakfast is in the back. As you go, drive safely. Let your gentleness be evident to everybody in the parking lot. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Hope your driver wins. Bye.